Hello, animation fans, and welcome to another iAnimate podcast. I'm your host, Larry Vasquez, and you're listening to episode 99. Um, in this episode, we have Ron Smith joining us. Ron is a feature animator who has worked at such studios as Disney, uh, Rhythm and Hue, Sony, and Blue Sky, and on such projects such as Hotel T, uh, Monster House, Tangled, and the Peanuts movie. Um, I have had the neat pleasure uh, to work with Ron here as he was my lead on uh, the Wingfeather Saga uh, animated series. Um, if you followed our podcast, you have heard me probably talk about that. Um, really super cool project, neat story, great characters, and it was really an awesome opportunity to work with Ron um, in this uh, capacity and now talk with him uh, in this interview about his past projects and uh, his time here um, on the Wingfeather Saga. So check it out. All right. Well, um, Ron, first of all, I always like to thank my guests. Um, it's always neat to be able to take out some of your time here to uh, talk with you about animation for our guests and stuff. And this was actually, uh, you know, a, a unique one for me, having now worked with you uh, on the Wingfeather Saga. So this is super, super cool. And I really just appreciate your time and taking this with us. So thanks for having me. Glad absolutely. Absolutely. Um Looking at your IMDb, you have got a list of great projects that you've worked on, companies that you've worked on you've, or worked with. You've worked with Disney, Blue Sky, Sony. You go all the way back to VeggieTales, uh, you know, big ideas and things of that nature. So um, the first thing I like to do is I always like to get into how someone came into this industry. So how did you get into animation? Um, was it something that kind of sparked you from a younger age, something kind of come in later? And then how did you get into crafted in this year well as with many animators it's it started by growing up watching cartoons and being just you know every saturday morning <laughs> watching, <laughs> watching the cartoons and being glad that they were on the the three channels that were available yeah. were um but yeah saturday morning was pretty much it gotcha. um anyway so after high school i i was i knew i wanted to go to college but i didn't know really what for i knew i wanted to i knew i wanted to go into some sort of video production or, or film production. Um, so yeah, that's basically what I got my degree in was video production, basically learning how to uh, work in a TV studio, mostly with a film minor, which had a little animation in there too, but uh, it wasn't until my senior year of, of uh, college that I got a, uh, connected with a, a producer who was a former student of one of my current professors in New York, here in, uh, in Manhattan, I'm not in Manhattan, but there in Manhattan, um, where I got a summer internship at a place called Telezine. Um, and I started out as a production intern, which wasn't really quite a good fit for me, but it got me in the building, you know, and then luckily the, the design intern left. <laughs> so I took the here <laughs> and I actually got a chance to work on a, a storyboard proposal for uh, major league baseball okay using their their 3d graphics the, the at the time 3d graphics were you know in their in their uh basic state you know mm -hmm. very young industry um but this uh studio was one of the first to start producing commercials and stuff like that. it was mostly flying logos and, and things like that what software was it do you remember might have been soft homage. Okay. I can't remember. We, we yeah, our, our, our 
place in the company was mostly the, the design and pre-production work of it. So I didn't really have any hands-on animation experience with that. Um, and it wasn't until a couple of years later that I saw a, a course catalog on the, the couch that I shared with a, a bunch of roommates in this flat that uh, had an animation course available at, at Columbia College in Chicago. So I went for a couple semesters there, um, got something for my reel, which uh -huh. is like a 30 second short of, of Mr. Potato Head uh, performing Hamlet with a peeled potato. <laughs> so, and uh, luckily one of, one of my uh, fellow students had been working at Big Idea Productions, which was working on their second show at the time and uh, very kindly offered to, to show me around the studio. I brought my re one reel with me. Uh -huh. Ended up, you know, VHS, of course, and uh, got a call the next day from uh, Chris Olson, who was gotcha. in charge of the whole animation side of things there. And it, there were six people there at the time and uh, only one other dedicated animator. So that's kind of the beginning of of where it all started. How you me. kind of got in there, huh? Yeah. And it, and it really became sort of a garage band mentality of, of what do we want to do? how can we make a dollar out of a dime and, and get the most out of this software we had we had to run uh day and night shifts because we only had so many machines oh wow a fortune back then and the software licenses so i was on uh the night shift with tom Dayton way back then and uh yeah kind of worked that way for a couple of years and then we moved downtown and uh the the studio expanded and expanded and got bigger and bigger and um i think we were up up to like 300 people at one point wow goodness uh, when we were in lombard which was you know a, a, a mark of the success of the studio and the the um the ip for sure we were showing, yeah the property we were showing so um and that led to um me kind of teaching myself how to animate which I came to learn in, in later years, um, working among the, the bona fide artists, <laughs> videos, that it's a lot different when, you know, learning the fundamentals and, and getting the, the, the basic ideas in your head for it. And I, I kind of worked my way around them by trying to, you know, read illusion of life and all the, all the great books, but there, you know, there were no animation schools back then. So everybody was kind of self-taught. Um, and if you didn't come from a, a 2D background, you know, CGI animation kind of enabled you to, to jump in without being an, an expert draftsman. Yeah, know, yeah, for sure. My big uh, hurdle to get over. So what I love about that, too, is, um, you know, that was probably how many years ago, if you want if you don't mind dating 93. Like okay. Yeah. So yeah. So About 30 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then here, you know, like I said, I've got to work with you on the wing feather saga, which was working with Chris and uh, Keith, you know, um, lingo on this here. Um, and here it is all these years later who, you know, you worked with on uh, at veggie tales and things of that nature here, 30 years later, you're still working with it. And just, it's always cracks me up about how small, you know, the industry is, even though it's worldwide, you know, it really is. Yeah. And, and you get to know. So, yeah, and I kind of consider myself kind of the Forrest Gump of, of animation industry where I'm kind of in the right place at the right time. I'm surrounded by all these brilliant artists 
and you know, I'm 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 just glad I'm I've been able to <laughs> this ride. You know? um, but it was it was back at uh, Big Idea when we started the three two one Penguins okay project uh, that that Keith joined the team and a lot of other uh, really big names in in animation today uh, were there as well, um, and it, it was that same kind of garage mentality of we want to make this show. Our characters have limbs now. Uh It's the most economical way to get this done. And uh, we did, we did kind of uh, (laughs) get beyond our budgets occasionally. Um, But you know, it was, it was all just trying to figure out how to do things. And now that we're coming back around kind of getting the band back together, you know, 20, 20 years later or so it uh, we, we do kind of know what we're doing, Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, but there's still, there's the added aspect of uh, like unreal engine uh-huh. having being factored into the, the big equation. Um, there, there still is a certain amount of figuring stuff out. Yeah. Figuring, feeling around and, and sticking with what works and uh, improving what doesn't. So Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely want to get into more of the Wingfeather Saga stuff uh, that we got to work on. So we'll kind of work up to that. Sure. Um, so that way you were from New, you're from New York. You moved over to Actually, Chicago. I, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Cincinnati. Um, went to school in Ohio, then had the internship in New York, then moved to Chicago um, a couple years after that, where I, I didn't go directly into animation i worked on a couple of uh feature films back then i don't i don't know if those are in my bio anymore but yeah like hoffa and uh um little man tate <laughs> a couple of obscure films uh-huh. that were, were really fun to work on you know? that's cool and that was um, back in chicago mm-hmm. okay. yeah chicago and cincinnati okay but then yeah then school kind of took over and and Big idea, started my career. So, gotcha, gotcha. Um, from there, uh, the studio had sort of a confluence of, of crucial events that uh, one was a lawsuit for uh, property rights. Um, one was the, the actually 9-11 was kind of a culprit. <laughs> really? Yeah, well, just the timing of our, of our first feature release and... And the effect on I don't know just the the yeah the, whole the, country the, yeah yeah for sure yeah 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 um, but anyway the the studio had to close down unfortunately gotcha. okay so that was the the first studio I closed <laughs> um, yeah I gotta tell you though you would not be the first one that I've done an interview with where it's been <laughs> yes I was at that studio then that one closed down I went to this other studio where you know, I'm like. I'm kind of following, you know, a little pattern here now, but he's like, that's part of the industry. You never, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it is a business and yeah. that's, that's kind of the bottom line. And, uh, you know, as artists, we can all strive for the best and hope for the best, but it, it really does come down to, down to the, 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 the numbers. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, so, so when that closed, what did you do from there? It was like, Time to go west and okay. uh, move to LA. Um, so uh, the the summer before we moved, I, I went to SIGGRAPH and just hit all the booths of of all the studios out there, and um, ended up getting a, a my first 
job in LA at Rhythm and Hughes. Okay. What was that on? Um, that was, uh, the first one was Scooby-Doo 2. Okay. Which rolled over into Garfield. Um, and those were great. Those were my first, uh, that was my introduction to the live action integration, you know, the, the CG character in a live action plate. Uh-huh. So there was a lot to learn about that side of things and uh, sort of the, the beginning of, of VFX uh, branch of, of, you know, uh, video production. Right. Um, but after that, the, the crew was, was shrunk and uh, I got a couple of freelance jobs between there and uh, joining Sony. Uh, Sony Imageworks uh-huh. on um, uh, Monster House. Okay. Which was the introduction to the true mocap. Right, right. Now, why did they go mocap with that one? Because I know when I was talking with you, what other production was on at the same time or real close? Um, open season. Okay. They were going parallel. And, and it was part of Sony's uh, three-legged plan of having a VFX wing, uh, a feature animation wing and then a, a mocap wing and it okay. was led by sort of robert zemeckis's passion for that that approach and uh you know monster house was was directed by one of his protégés and it was really interesting because you know back then mocap was so new and and but it involved um actually filming the actors on a stage and and working as an ensemble which was one of the ex- unexpected uh, things that really appealed to me is, is that it wasn't just people standing in a booth. Gotcha. Talking to a microphone being edited together afterward. It had this really natural. And on top of that, you had this sort of uh, living 3D Moybridge study of, of how little kids just moved and they're all jangly and how, how the, the characters would run and the, the tall skinny kid would have this certain kind of, <laughs> floppy way of running. <laughs> you just orbit around them and study. It was really, it was really cool. And that's so, cool. And then on any job, you kind of look for, look for the bright side of things. Uh-huh. You know, I was kind of bummed out. I wasn't working on open season because that seemed like the cool project, but I learned a lot on uh, monster house and, and had a really good time too. That's cool. Yeah. I've had some, I've had some other interviews with some of the guys that have worked in, um, games and and working with mocap and that was a very similar experience just talking about how their body mechanics were just honed in because they have this life footage here and they're doing the same thing kind of really figuring out oh this is what's happening here at this time so again kind of going back to your your point taking what can i take from this to grow as an artist Mm -hmm. and and it was it was interesting sort of reverse unanimating all the all the mocap data that you would get it would would be unusable just because it was you know not as clean great as it was yeah, as clean yeah. As it these days i guess but uh you know you, you'd know what to recognize and you'd pick your key poses and and figure it out so it was really interesting and gotcha glad to have a couple of those kinds of opportunities uh throughout the years with sony but also the the feature animated the keyframe animation jobs were my most favorite ones right course. right yeah. Um, yeah just that that kind of you know pixar was was getting all the the, the limelight deservedly right you know, doing great things great innovative things with 
you know, fur and water and all these things. Um, but it was nice to be on sort of the, the, the fringier side with cloudy with a chance of meatballs that had a chance to be stylized and, and, and more playful and, and goofier. Yes. And, uh, you know, the directors, um, Phil Lord and, and Chris Miller were just so open in, in dailies. We just sit around cracking wise and one ideas around it just get bitter and better. Uh, yeah. That's one of my all time favorite movies because of just the quirkiness in it. I absolutely yeah. love it. Well, and, and because of that, uh, sort of dynamic behind the scenes that it's one of my favorite movies that I've ever worked on. So gotcha. the, the good vibes kind of surround and, sustain with that one yeah, really good um, so you know a monster house with that that got you into the door with sony mm-hmm. or, or was it some of the other ones like uh scoob and stuff or scooby uh, you know how it is you, you you put your latest thing on your reel and you you hope that propels you towards where you want to go right um, yeah that that's kind of when it was becoming less of oh we're at a studio it's nice we'll just move on to the next project to where you started to have to kind of audition for the next show. Gotcha. Figure out what you were going to do after that. Um, which in, in a good way led to working on shows like Tangle. Right. Working at Disney for a while. Yeah. Um, which was just such a, an overwhelming experience when I look back on it. And, and I, I was kind of starstruck, you know, being there at first and, you know, there's there's Glenn Keane over there, and you know, just all the all the the big time animators. You know? Right, right. And, uh, yeah, I just learned a ton. I I felt like I was kind of swimming as hard as I could <laughs> the whole time, and uh, yeah, it was just it was it was an amazing experience. No, I know Tangled. Um, that was a very short production in regards to what had to be accomplished from that time. So I'm, right. I'm sure there was a lot of challenges in regards to OT and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, what were some of the things that you felt like, uh, you know, I have an athletic background. I've talked about this before. I always try to think about, okay, what do I take from this match or what, you know, that kind of, I take for the next one here. What was something that you look back during your time on Tangled, working with guys like Glenn Keane or maybe the other artists there that you were like, man, this is something I really grew in as an artist. Looking back, I, I, I tried as best as I could, but I feel like I, I could have um, asked for more help, not help necessarily, but uh, you know, just advice from, from people and uh, not being as, um, reluctant. I, you know, I don't want to bother them. They're gotcha. really going to do, but they're just like us, where we're we're glad to uh, give our two cents and and uh, benefit of our experience and all that stuff um, to younger animators. So I, you know, that that's something I took from there was to ask, ask for more help. You gotcha. Know, ask around and uh, talk to the other animators more you know yeah what were some of the things you learned from glenn as he maybe drew over your shots and things of that nature it was tricky because he had a very 2d style and it wasn't necessarily the the explicit drawing that he did it was just kind of that feeling that you you had to absorb from whatever he, he was showing you so it was it was less 
one-to-one and it, you know that that's kind of the way it is with any notes that the intent behind it rather than gets and and ones that i've given it's like well i you know i don't I don't want this exactly partly <laughs> because I can't draw that well, <laughs> draw that accurately. Just like this, but also because it's it's it is just more of a feeling. The the timing and spacing of stuff that, uh, um, yeah, it's just it's it's all a matter of interpretation, you know, and and it's just getting your interpretation in tune with what the director wants or the the supervisors. Want, I guess. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's not easy, but it's, you know, something is that artists have to do. Right. When they're, when they're hired to animate for a show, you all have to be on the same wavelength. You know? Yeah. 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 So from Tangled uh, at Disney there, um, it looks like you worked on some other projects after that before you yeah. jumped back to uh, Sony. and. Um, yeah, I, I did a couple of uh, freelance jobs from home, which was kind of, kind of unheard of back then. Okay. Know? It was a lot of more for real effects down in Dallas uh-huh. that uh, they had the, the remote setup thing going way, you know, as early as, as that. So gotcha. Um, that was fun. You know, did a, did a piece for NVIDIA kind of showing off their real time at ed- uh, real time rendering engine um which again it, it, it's all kind of coming back <laughs> coming back into unreal engine uh-huh. yeah. everything everything rhymes <laughs> so uh but the, yeah then i then went back to sony for some uh hotel t yeah hotel t was was the last uh sony project i worked on before moving out to uh, new york and uh, blue sky which is fun um it, it just kind of out of the blue, I got a call from, from somebody at Blue Sky. I was just wondering if I'd ever thought of, of moving to the, the East Coast. And it was at a point um, in L.A. where I was feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to hustle for each job that comes next. Or I could, <laughs> I could uproot my whole family across <laughs> the country and uh, have a little more stability, which, you know, talked about that a lot and, <laughs> but it was um you got on in uh looks like epic so there uh-huh. was how, how long were you at blue sky then i, I guess i was gonna say there was some stability for a while well, of course and and it uh you know i i'm basically uh stationed somewhere every nine years <laughs> okay so yeah the first big idea was about nine years moving out to la was about nine years and then uh, blue sky started on gotcha Epic. and that was uh again just sort of that you're thrown into a new studio everybody else knows each other and you're, you're trying to get into the mix of things and and figure out your place in the, in the department and everything um but that it was so great everybody there was amazing and uh just very welcoming and and supportive and yeah just Help me enjoy my whole nine years there. It was gotcha. great. Now, each studio tends to have kind of their own um, flavor or DNA. What was it that uh, that you would kind of describe your time at Blue Sky? Hmm. Just the the 
cohesiveness, I guess, you okay. know, the, the there's, um, you know, being in, being in the same department and studio with, with so many other great artists. Um, yeah, it, it really got to be, um, fun to go to work and, and, uh, yeah, I, it, it, it was just a very comfortable place. Um, you know, the, the, the surroundings were more like where I grew up in the Midwest. So that, that sort of familiarity kind of went beyond the studio. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was just a very comfortable studio to be, to be in and, and be part of. Any favorite movies that you worked on during that time there? Um, yeah, I, I'd say the, the Peanuts movie was a blast. Um, just, just because it was so different from everything else. Okay. The way that had to be approached to, to stick with, um, Charles Schultz's, you know, very unique graphic style. Right. Um, for example, we, we only had like six basic head angles that we could use and, and the geometry of the heads would have to change between each of those rigs. So it, it, it required a lot of planning and uh, you know, figuring out how the, how the character was even going to turn his head. You know? <laughs> so was it so, different rigs, or was there sliders that were would uh, modify the geometry? Basically, kind of kind of both. You know, okay. different different rigs in the same setup. So you would okay. have remove one character and bring in another one. Okay, okay, okay. It would it would still be part of it, but that rig would change things about your, your character that uh, were different in the, in the previous version. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, the reason why I ask is um, I had an opportunity to work on Scoob. Um, the one that came out, we did a lot of the, the um, uh, advertisement for it and such. Yeah. And there was two different rigs for the Scoob, the adult Scooby character. Um, Hind, when he was walking versus when he was walking mm-hmm. on all yeah. fours. So that's why I didn't know if there was, different rigs in that sense but you had to switch the characters yeah yeah depending on yeah tricky yeah yeah (laughs) but we didn't have to do that but yeah we we would they had different kinds of arms like if you if you look at a peanuts cartoon it's mainly just their forearm Uh that you ever see unless their arm is straight down and so each the way the fingers were set up and and arranged and proportionate and yeah, just everything would change. So, okay, which I guess doesn't sound too bad. Like you said, it just depends on how you plan. But as we all know, things change in a shot. So what that, that would be difficult then if you've got things that are planned out, you work things out, and they're like, oh, well, what if we did this? And now you're like, okay, now I've got to, you know, adjust yeah, it, this. Bit. It meant you had to go into uh go into your idea with other ways of explaining it to the, to the supervisor or the director. And okay. Most of the, most of the animators would just do it with drawings because it was, it was faster and easier uh, to do with drawings. And we all had, uh, you know, peanuts drawing lessons that we had to. Oh, really? Do. Yeah. I've got a whole sketchbook just full of really bad <laughs> Charlie Brown. And, and and, <laughs> so we, we had to get the, the definite look of everything really ingrained in our heads to know what would be wrong 
with whatever modifications we were doing. Gotcha. Uh, on, on the spot. So like down to the little parentheses lines, around uh, lines, you know, when do you use those? Well, you gotta, probably should use those for this, this expression, you know, gotcha, gotcha. Like that, or his, his pupils are just a little bit too tall or just really infinitesimal things that, that Charles Schultz could pull off with just a touch of his pen. And uh, it just takes all, all these computer guys so much time and effort to, to really extract that, that kind of uh, simplicity, I guess. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So you had to get good enough at drawing to communicate, to convey your ideas to the supervisor then? Yeah, 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 gotcha. pretty much. And, uh, you know, from there it was just pretty, pretty straightforward blocking and, and getting stuff in there. And part of the pressure was taken off because this is how they all walk. You know, if you watch a, a Peanuts cartoon, they all kind of walk the same with the, their feet doing the same timing and the same posing and all that stuff. So you could kind of use a generic version of all that stuff, but it was it was mostly the, the posing of the face and, and body to to convey the ideas the best way. So gotcha. And I gotta imagine too, just the nostalgia of getting to work on something as iconic as this. I, I have a, a little plush Snoopy dog that I've uh -huh. had since I was uh, six years old. <laughs> nice. My upbringing was, was peanuts, you know? It was, yeah. And they were pretty dominant uh, on the on the scene. Just because, yeah. You know, the, the prolific coverage of, of peanuts. You know, Sno Snoopy went on to space. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Cool stuff in real life. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I've been a Peanuts fan for my whole life. So, gotcha. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's very cool. Was there an extra weight of pressure working on something that, that was that had such uh, nostalgia? Or did you guys feel like once we hit this, oh, we got it. We, and we've, we've established what we were looking for. There, there, there was pressure on myself to not say, Charlie Brown wouldn't do that. Or... That wouldn't happen in a cartoon. <laughs> I, don't know, I felt like I had some some sort of expertise, especially the whole reveal of the little redheaded girl. I uh -huh. was, yeah, we can't do that. We can't do that. I'm sorry. Charles Schultz will be rolling in his grave right now. Yeah. Well, that that was kind of one of the other things was uh, working with the, the Schultz family and uh, trying to get the, the their their wishes worked into the film as well. So you know there was there was pressure from within to get it to look right and pressure from outside to to get certain things more more schultz schultzified i guess gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I think all in all it turned out pretty good yeah very cool okay so now you know we uh you got to work all the way up to uh, ferdinand spies in disguise um that was your last one at blue sky uh yeah there's the the scratch short that they okay. did right at the very end that, that wasn't even done uh, before the, the announcement came out. But uh, yeah, we stuck around and <laughs> finished that one off. So put <laughs> it on Disney Plus. But uh, yeah, Spies in Disguise was the last feature we worked on. And we were getting ready to make um, Nimona, which was shaping up to be an amazing project. And I can't wait to see it come out. A, a number of the uh, animators 
that started on it in at Blue Sky. Uh, Continue with it. Lucky enough to be on the, the final production of it. So I'm eager to see how they did it. And uh, yeah. They, how true they, it stays to what you guys did and, and or varied off. I'm sorry, what? So are you, it, you think it'll stay pretty true to what was happening there at Blue Sky? Or I have, I have no idea. Um, the same directors were, were carried over as well. Um, so I don't know why it would be much different. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really eager to see what, what, uh, what it turned out like. Gotcha. Really sorry I didn't get to work on it. Too. <laughs> now, how um, surprising was the news at Blue Sky in regards to the shutting down? It, it was kind of out of the blue sky, you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One afternoon when, uh, yeah, there was an all-hands meeting, and, and that was that. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was a real bomb when it, when it went off. But, you know, um, they did give us, you know, about six weeks to kind of taper off and, and look for another job. And um, for a lot of people that meant now's my chance. Now I can finally move up or move on or move on, you know, move on to something else. Um, in my case, you know, my kids are in, in the high school here. Right. Kind of uh, established. established here at this point. Um, so it was, it was just, uh, Good fortune that uh, the, the, the voices from the past came back, and <laughs> uh, you know, I've heard about this other project. That actually, uh, Mike Naraki, the the voice of Larry the Cucumber, uh -huh. was the first guy who got in contact with me about um, the wing feather. Now, what is his involvement with it? Uh, he's he's not. He's just he just yeah. He's gotcha, he's, gotcha. You know. In, uh, He's involved with all things Bob and Larry, you know. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, he, he got me connected with Chris Wall and, and uh, Andrew Peterson, and we talked for a while, and it, it just felt like a really good fit. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the, it, it was at a point where I was – you know, there's, there's a certain level of desperation when like, i got to find a job, got to find a job. And I did, I did, I worked on uh, uh, God of War in the okay. interim and uh, had a great time doing that because that, that let me rejoin with uh, a couple of old friends from uh, Sony Gaming. Sony. And uh, yeah, it, that's, that's always a, a kind of a fun other thing to do, you know, right. because it has the... Um, sort of technical side of things that I, I don't get experience, much experience on. Um, and just the, the, the detail of the facial mocap and everything just, you know, it, it uh, finds a good place in my head just working on stuff like that. But it, it's great to be able to, to get back into animating, even though uh, I, haven't done, <laughs> I haven't done much animating for, for wing feather yet. Um, just sort of, giving giving the reviews and everything that uh, comes with the the lead position but uh, right right and so for those that don't know um i think i mentioned this on a couple podcasts i got to work on the wing feather project the wing feather saga epi uh, season one um for about five months and ron was my lead um and i've done a podcast with keith lango before um when he was one of our instructors here at i animate and uh he's the 
what is his title? Super uh, supervising CG or CG yeah. supervisor, something like that. Yeah. Um, Executive producer. Okay. He's, he's he's really is the brains and and aesthetic behind everything. It's amazing. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just his background, you know, being at Valve and things of that nature, both on the technical and artistic standpoint. Um, so yeah, it was just a really cool project to get to work on. But I'd like to hear what for you made you want to to work on it was it partly the convenience of being able to stay where you're at the... so many different things yeah okay kind of starting there um yeah I've, I've i've moved into my basement had my my um animation studio set up down here and, and it, it's I, I was working from home prior to that with both the, the sony job and and blue sky you know since covid um so that was one thing that I didn't have to move back out west or, or anything like that. So right. that was one thing to feel. Mainly, though, it was, and I wasn't familiar with the with the the book series before this at all. And uh, but after talking to Andrew and Chris and and learning about their approach to the the adaptation of the books, it, it just made so much sense. And everything that, that we talked about was like yeah that that that's a great way to do that that's that's a, a brilliant approach to to that problem whatever right. it was. and um being able to reconnect with keith and work with him again because i i've been vaguely aware of his uh career up to that point but it really was the two of us working together really hard back at big idea and then going our own ways for you know 25 years <laughs> and coming back together with just all, all that experience behind us and, yeah. and being in that same situation of, okay, what do we do now? But having that, that, that knowledge of, oh, well, we could try this or we could do it this way or, you know, and even um, being able to rely on, on the younger animators for the latest tools or, or approaches to things that, you know, in our, in our old man, <laughs> so we haven't experienced that much, and the the independence of the whole crew uh, is is amazing. You know, I'm always um, just in awe at, at how well everybody overcomes obstacles. Gotcha. They they take it on themselves, or they they ask the group, and, and it's just uh, really impressive and and uh, just make me feel good about the way what's been accomplished and everything uh, what's been accomplished and and the way that a studio can the the dynamic can work you know because yeah yeah other contexts you you get the feeling that you're you're a lot more um guarded and you're kind of protecting your your secret chops gotcha 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 the more I work with this crew, it's it's more like, yeah, here's all. Oh, I never, I never even thought of that. So, <laughs> that's been amazing. Um, just the, the the way that uh, Keith has has combined Maya with um, Unreal Engine. Unreal, yeah. And a lot of this, I, I get the sense, is something that Keith has just wanted to do you know, for a long time, that right. these ideas and now this is his chance to do it. And it's such a great um, book 
source material right um that just raises everything else up another level yeah you know you're seeing more and more of that um departure from the the, the traditional cgi character design and, and environmental how, how everything's done or how everything has been done right and and the sort of identifiers of oh this is a this is a good movie because it's got these qualities about it right right you know it, it stuff is coming out that just looks janky and sloppy but it, it works yeah you know? yeah yeah because of that experimentation and and you know a lot of trial and error and even even on the wing feather saga the the first couple of episodes are really good but all the ones <laughs> that came after those are even better and yeah yeah and you know maybe we can go back and and fix up a couple of things and they're they're mostly technical uh things that that unreal didn't like about maya you know yeah, that, yeah yeah that would affect things on a, on a technical way but it like how it uh, rendered and things like that yeah, yeah how it rendered the frame rate and everything not not yeah. quite matching up so having to okay this is this is the best it looks for you know for now um yeah. But that's also one of the advantages of streaming is that it's not just a thing that's out there. It's this thing that's out there you for now. But we, <laughs> you know, a little bit. You know, yeah, yeah. Where we need to. They won't notice, but they'll notice. Anyway. Um, well, I, I came across the project. Uh, my, my wife had read um, the books to uh, some of our older kiddos. And uh, then I saw Keith had uh, was working on this. And she's like, honey, if you can get on this project, like, do it. So I hit him up and I was like, hey, I'm a big fan. I think I'd read the first book at the time. Yeah, but I said, my, my kids, my kids and my wife literally paced out the last book because mm. typically you want to devour it, right? It's like, oh, I can't. They literally paced it out because they knew that was the last book. They're like, I don't want to get done yeah. with it. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, if you've not read these books, it's called The Wing Feather Saga. Fantastic stories. And uh, one of the things I like that we did here with this project, too, is um, for those that are avid readers, movies can always feel like, hey, I did, it didn't live up to the book, right? But one of the things I've really realized is because it's such a different medium, with books, you're limited to just words. That's it, right? Mm -hmm. With In film, you've got lighting, you've got color, you've got a subtle acting that we you know we can portray with no words and then you've got dialogue right so even with the dialogue you've got to keep it in a do it in a way that doesn't feel like i'm literally narrating it to you you know and so it becomes a very yeah. different medium for that uh that reason so we change things too right and and that's that's by necessity the, the other side of that coin is that in a book you can you can read a person's mind you know, right every thought that that character is saying is thinking and you know learn about their relationship with the other characters and all that you know just that internal monologue um you, you can't do that in a show unless you have a narrator which right we don't need <laughs> i hope but uh it, it is it is a balancing act between um figuring out what the uh the audience for the books will enjoy seeing but keeping it new and and kind of um consolidating the right right things in the story and elaborating on the other things about the story that that kind of makes sense going forward and, and propel you into that story yeah yeah 
because in the first half hour of any series, you're just, you're world building. You're, you're telling the audience what this place is. And we're lucky to have such a, a broad fan base for the books that I, I didn't know about, you know, I didn't, yeah. know, didn't know about the fans, but yeah, they're, they're something else. They're um, really on board and they, they do have very uh, in-depth discussions that I think about, <laughs> you know, well, I left this out of the book. Well, I think that's okay because it, it sends you along this way and you hear them talking about a lot of the things that, that those of us actually making these changes have discussed, right. try to figure out the best approach to those things. So it, it really is a dang And I've never been on a, a project that has such an interactive relationship with their audience. You gotcha. Know? The way that uh, Chris and, and Andrew and everybody are willing to show off half done work, you know, because they know the fans are, are you know, eager to see that behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff, you know, and it, yeah. it doesn't make us look like we don't know what we're doing. It's just, here's a really early stage. This is what our animators see while they're working. And, and it gives them a, an even closer connection to the, to the show, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I've really enjoyed as well, um, and maybe you can kind of allude more to this is that, um, and you kind of did a little bit beforehand, just the um, collaborative process that we had with artists that were remote and literally from all over the world. Um, we had a few of us from the U.S., uh, some from Mexico, some from uh, yeah, the Czech Republic. Republic, you know. Um, yeah, all over the place. And yeah, different time zones that we were working on, but it just, it worked. It just worked. It really, yeah, and that that speaks to the the, I don't know, generosity of, of spirit of the whole team that they're they're willing to kind of you know it means i have to get up a little earlier so that i can get be as much a, a part of the the people who are six hours earlier be as much a part of their day as i can be right and uh yeah the time zone thing was a <laughs> kind of a big adjustment um but yeah having so many um different perspectives and different voices on this project has, has been invaluable. And, uh, you know, a couple of the artists have, have a stronger mocap kind of background. So I, I can kind of wrap my head around how they're approaching their work and others have more of a, you know, I'll, I'll sketch in my ideas for, so at, at, at first I was trying to, uh, suggest strongly that people, follow a, a particular form of, of progress because our, our timeline on, on our, uh, our output levels are so high. Yeah. So there's so much footage in such a short time, it, it limits the amount of interaction we can have back and forth between reviewer and, and artist. Um, but it, I'm getting off track here, but so my, my first approach was to say, you know, if you follow this, this method of doing things, I think things will go along a lot faster, but people were struggling to get on board with those ways. And, and we found that once those uh, uh, instructions were, were loosened a little bit, that uh, things started flowing a, a little better. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of back to that, whatever it takes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It worked. Yeah. Because one of the things that I felt like would have been nice 
um, more for the collaborative process, but I don't think it just would have worked. It would have been nice to have more of the um, interactive dailies. Because mm -hmm. yeah, yours, yours were recorded. Yeah, yours were recorded, um, which was also nice because you, you always address something afterwards. But one of the things that you did really well, too, was instead of just trying to give notes, you would do a video. Hey, this is what I'm kind of thinking. It kind of goes back to what we we're talking about, even with Glenn Keane. Hey, this mm -hmm. is, I'm, I'm not looking for this specifically, but this is kind of why, um, you know, I'm thinking of this route here, you know. Yeah. And so you did a lot of videos, I think, which worked well for people on different time zones because we could always address those as needed here and it was a great information yeah that that was one of the big adjustments when when COVID had us all staying home was uh the inability to to gather as a group and and have everybody sort of chiming in as as dailies it it made dailies a lot more productive and and uh fruitful for for more ideas to be in the mix and it's just the way it is, you know, it, it, it's mainly a monologue for me up until the point where it's, it's me and Keith. And then, uh, you know, it's, it's the best way we can get through things. And, you know, I it started out a, a little awkward, just me be talking to myself, <laughs> the best way to, to convey my ideas um, back and forth. But yeah, I mean, we, we seem to have gotten in sync and, and, uh, yeah. Was there anything that, um, you know, coming back from uh, uh, such big studios like Blue Sky and Disney, uh, Sony, that surprised you in working in a smaller studio like this and with people from all over the world on different time zones? What, what was the, for your vantage point, some of the um, surprises, both pros and cons? It, one of the biggest cons was was finding out how little technical knowledge I have myself and how reliant I had become on the studio's IT okay. department to fix stuff for me and, and, you know, give me all the tools and programs and everything I needed. And here you're thrown in into a void and it's like, okay, start filling it up with, with your ideas and your approaches and your, your ways of doing things and build this pipeline. Um, so for the very, very beginning of pre-production it was kind of a flailing around you know maybe this will work hopefully this will help and it wasn't until all the artists started going through the process and and working out the the bugs and the in the pipeline and everything and giving their feedback to us and us trying to make the adjustments uh to make things work better and more efficiently but it really is the independence of all the uh, international artists that, uh, again, it's just, it's amazing how well and how uh, such a high output of, of such good animation, you know? I, I, I feel like in hindsight, I was, I was really pushing the artists to get, get better and better despite this the crushing, you know. Quota and everything. Quota, yeah. Um, but, I, I was never disappointed, you know. They right, don't right. Yeah, it's, it, and it shows. And I'm so glad to be at the end of season one, going into season two and getting everything ready and, and uh, hopefully having a, a more graceful start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That was one of the things I did notice with the artists. Many of them had read the books. Many of them were familiar mm-hmm. with it. Um, and there was already an investment um, coming yeah. in as animators versus jumping into something that's a brand new IP and kind of getting the ball rolling in, in who the characters are and um, – Versus now, at the end of this, you know, at the end of the uh, project, you're like, oh, I really fell in love with the characters, and that there was already that beforehand. It seemed like with a lot of the artists, and, mm-hmm. and if it wasn't right off the bat, it was pretty doggone quick. Um, yeah. I know a lot but of us started, like I said, reading the books and things like that. So, yeah, I, there was already that passion, I guess. You're right. You're right. Absolutely. And I, I kind of had to play catch up myself, you know, reading the books as as quickly as I could, and and it's this second and third rereading that I'm, I'm finally able to extract things uh, just one or two sentences that, that tell how a character does something and, and take that from the book and apply it to this specific scene. You know, this, this is from the book. This is where this character's head is in this moment. So, you know, the artists have that to keep in mind now, hopefully that'll help. Yeah, yeah. Too. But uh, yeah, it, it, it is a matter of getting to know the characters, of course, and, uh, you know, just figuring out their little idiosyncrasies and uh, their, their characterizations, you know. Uh, Was there any favorite characters you had that because of that? Uh, well, I, I kind of ended up liking Slarb's maniacal, just okay. progression of, of understanding. <laughs> you know, he started out as just kind of the Weasley uh, you know, not not a villain, but he he's just consumed by this mania, this vendetta against uh-huh. him, and uh, he's just doing it for his own, you know, his own sense of retribution. But it has impacts on the whole story. You know, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. That inciting incident that uh, you know the the family takes off on this giant adventure. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like Slarf. I like I like <laughs> all the characters. You know, each, each one has has their moment of oh, that's that's a great little moment there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, one of the other things I like that we did with this <laughs> project is we got good chunks of sequences, um, and that seemed to kind of play pretty well with the flow of uh, continuity, both as well as the timing that uh, for a quota. Um, but it felt like there was a, a nice uh, progression that we we're able to kind of get because we had such, uh, you know, maybe six sequences or something like that, mm-hmm. and really kind of plan that out, really kind of get that flow in. Um, from yeah, that, that was one of the evolutionary uh, approaches to the pipeline that uh, kind of bore itself out. That uh, it just made more sense to to give bigger chunks to each animator. Yeah, they could have that flow, and it and that's something you just don't see in bigger productions. Um, but it, it also meant that you had to have a real, really solid idea of what was happening throughout the whole sequence, not just on the, on the handoffs, you know, right. The, the trade-off cut. So, you know, that, that that's just another amazing aspect of, of how uh, dedicated these, these artists were. And, Kind of remember what I was going to say earlier. The, the the way it was back at Big Idea, where you would be um, staying up late at night just to make sure that the render of what you animated two days ago get got done. Because uh-huh. 
take a couple of minutes at, at the least with the, the very basic equipment we have. So the the round the clock, uh, the around the clock, uh, you know, dedication that that the studio was showing was more to to overcome the technological shortcomings of of how long it takes to produce one one show. Right Whereas now, it's like we want to make it look. We have ways to to render things super quickly. So now all that effort is going into making it look better and making mm -hmm. the performances uh, ring truer and, and just that it's more of a, uh, an artistic dedication um, both to the story material and um, the graphic aspects of the show rather yeah. than, you know, we've got to hurry through this part of the production because actually assembling things and, and rendering things is going to take a month. Right. So it's like uh, just the ability to, to expand on the, the creative input rather than. Right. Input, just the technical. Uh, getting things done. is very liberating. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, again, it's, it's just sort of the, 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 the changing of the, the, way that the productions get done and the uh, incorporation of, of new technology or whole new approaches that, you know, I, I, it makes me kind of glad that, that the, the kick out of the nest yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when this guy closed down just provided this great opportunity to, to have such a great experience. On Very show. cool. Very cool. Um, We'll kind of wrap it up. I got some questions, uh, just kind of off the cuff. Uh, any favorite characters you've got to work on that if you're like, Hey, if I could go back and work on this character again, I would just love to It'd be so much fun. Um, I think Rapunzel. Okay. You know, I, I, I feel like I, I was, um, again, swim, swimming upstream as hard as I could <laughs> try to keep up with the, with the, amazing work that everybody else was putting in there and uh yeah I, I i look back on that character and 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 watch the film and it's like wow this this is such a great character you know yeah yeah just got a lot of heart that was kind of new for the for animated features as well or for disney animated features yeah I mean, yeah princess heroine that uh you know just a, a, a new feeling towards that uh setup but yeah Rapunzel would have been nice to go back to um looking around at the posters <laughs> I don't know. yeah any of your I, least favorite characters that when you had to open up a scene you're like oh, okay i gotta well got my workout yeah. for me on this one or and it may, may have just been because maybe it wasn't you know maybe the most fun one or because maybe the most uh challenging would, yeah i would say that the quadrupeds in uh like ferdinand for example like okay everybody was on all you know four feet so just just the challenge of adding that complexity math of making it look right and have extra set of legs and <laughs> i don't know that, all, that always kind of complicated things for me um so i i felt lucky to get a talking headshot okay gotcha <laughs> there okay that's good i don't have to make a walk around <laughs> i'd look at the work of other people when he's 
you know, moving through the town and everything. And just, oh, can't see, I, I can't understand how they're able to get it to look so good. So, <laughs> you know, any, any favorite, um, for lack of a better term, not typecasted, but what, what are kind of some of your favorite shots to work on? Body mm. mechanics, up close, acting, subtle, comedy, you know. Yeah, I, I got to say that comedy shots are the the most rewarding for me just because I like to crack wise about stuff so much. And a lot of the shots that were my favorite to work on were ones that were kind of blank slates where, we, you know, it starts like this, it ends like this. This has to happen in the middle, but, you know, what that is, is, is up to you. And, and there are a couple of, couple of shots like that in peanuts that I felt really good about how, how they turned out and how they surprised um, the directors and, and how, wow. You, that, really Was it expecting that, but awesome. Yeah. 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 That sort of feeling, um, you know, a couple in uh, spies in disguise. So it's, it's that sort of rewarding feeling that you get that you, you, you know, lived up to the the expectations if if not you know going behind beyond them a little bit um and just yeah made made your director's job easier gotcha gotcha okay so now outside of animation what are some of the other things that you enjoy doing hobby whatever i i, I like to ride my bike <laughs> oh yeah there it is in the background yeah nice i like to ride it in the in the real world outside too but pretty cold right now in new york Northeast. yeah it's getting more <laughs> springy today's a nice spring like day all right all right all spring you can't fall for it okay <laughs> it'll get cold and probably it's not we haven't had much snow but yeah bike riding um yeah i really like the out of doors and uh basically going to see my kids games <laughs> things like I, that i know your daughter plays volleyball mm -hmm. yeah son he was a uh on the soccer team. Soccer, soccer okay. He's in uh, college now, but uh, okay. yeah, he's still plays when he gets a chance. Good deal. Uh -huh. But yeah, uh, Roxanne's going to be a senior next year. Be a big, big volleyball year. So. All right. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Ron, I really appreciate your time on this podcast. It's been fun to, like I said, to, to hear your, your background, your story, but it was really, really cool to get to work with you on the Wingfeather Saga. I'm looking forward to season two. Um, if you've not, like I said, checked out these books and the animated series, it is out on angel.com and YouTube. You can check those out for free. Um, but yeah, definitely check out the books. Really very fun stories. So um, again, thank you, uh, Ron, for your time and just uh, the lead on the project. So My pleasure. Thank you. All right. And with that, we are out.